I've known my sister-in-law for um, since I was 16. So now it's, it's uh, 14 years I've known her. And uh, she, the, like till two years ago, I was intimidated by her because my sister-in-law is flawless. Okay, my sister-in-law does her hair to step out to get fresh air. Like... Like she's, you know, she works for all these really high-end fashion houses and stuff like that. And she has this own, she has her own uh, kids clothing line. Wow. And uh, she's, I mean, she's just this all-round badass, right? And I was always incredibly intimidated by her. She always seemed incredibly put together. And, you know, we used to always have this, like, it was never a conflict because she was so, I mean, she was always so kind and polite and accommodating of me. But she used to always be like, oh, well, you know, Aditi, Adu, she's silly. Adu is, you know, she's a mess. <laughs> And that's what we love about her and yeah. all this stuff, right? Oh, Adu, she just says like really inappropriate stuff in the middle of like a good dinner <laughs> conversation. Um, and then uh, two years ago, she got pregnant. Everyone was like, oh, when she has a kid, you know, that kid is going to be this, like she's going to, you know, sanitize its hands all the time. And, you know, she's going to be very particular about what nappy she puts on and all. She's not. She's like, I don't... It's it's whatever. It's a baby. It's meant to poop into. It's like it poops into the newspaper or into like a B grade nappy or an A grade nappy. It doesn't make a difference, you yeah. know. And I saw her embrace that chaos. It's so crazy to me that this person who dotted all her eyes and crossed all her T's is now writing just across walls in graffiti. Yeah. Um. And I just I think that's incredible. Yeah. I think that's incredible. I hope my niece turns out to be. Absolutely insane, just like me. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it made me think that is, is the key to something as transformational um, to change you, to, to enlarge you? Is it just embracing the chaos? Is, is motherhood just bringing the chaos closer and understanding that it exists and that's okay? Well, and I think that that's like a lesson that probably there, we can all learn in life in some way. When we think about this whole thing about women and work and you bring that dimension of motherhood, one of the most famous articles about this is is by Anne-Marie Slaughter, where she, she wrote this article, Can You Have It All? Right? Ooh. Can women have it all? Huh. Which was basically about can you be a mom? In many ways, it was can you be a mom and can you be successful in your career? Wow, because otherwise it's normally considered you can either be one or the other. Yeah. You can't be both. Now, and she writes from a position of incredible privilege and she acknowledges that, you know, and she also has a supportive partner and, and things like that. Um, but I think that that's a question that that women who are moms, you know, who are also pursuing careers, you get asked that all of the time. Yeah. You know, can you do this and that? And the expectations are so high yeah. that you're balancing all of these plates. That's... That's a tough thing to do. Honestly, though, I mean, just I'm thinking if I ever started a company, I would make a mom the CEO. Because <laughs> like, <laughs> if anyone can tolerate a four-year-old that's bawling it, its own head off for 24 hours a day, um, you know, and still manage to find time to comb their hair, because I don't expect too much in my company. <laughs> <laughs> it would in itself be um, like a miracle. I'm like, yes, this woman, this woman, let's put her in charge. I know that she will get stuff done. Yeah. So it's actually weird, you know, how it's considered almost an either or that you can either have the successful motherhood or you can have the successful career. There's that motherhood penalty where, um, you know, women tend to drop out and, and are almost when even when they're getting jobs, they're asked, you know, if... Uh, they're planning to become pregnant or if they look of marriageable age in India, so they'll outright ask you. 
Yeah. So, yeah, getting married, ah, yeah, when you getting married, <laughs> planning to have kids, and you're like, hey, man, like a friend of mine told me that she went for an interview, and uh, you know, her, uh, they asked her, they're like, oh, so are you, uh, you know, how old are you? And she was like, I'm 27 or 25. She was at that point. They're like, so then you'll be getting married soon. So she's like, uh, no. They're like, you should, yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's the right age, yeah. And she was like, wait, what? I'm looking for yeah. a job, not advice on when I should get married and when I should have kids, but. Uh, the the sort of marketplace penalizes motherhood then society places these absurd standards of perfection on motherhood because you're not supposed to look like upset and frazzled right you're supposed to be glowing yeah you're supposed to be glowing yeah all the time basking in the in the glow of your fulfillment <laughs> of your purpose i can't even imagine you know and women today who go back to work um with all the corporate biases that play out with the societal pressures in both their jobs um and sort of carry that through into the a continuation of the career that they had before they were pregnant uh, i think is i mean superhuman almost so today we're going to talk to someone who wants us to all embrace the quirks and the flaws of motherhood Ooh. the fact that we are not going to be perfect and we will all be much happier if we can just accept it that we are going to do it in our own way in our own time you're saying are we going to talk to miss kaveri bamzai yes indeed oh i'm really excited kaveri bamzai the author of no regrets the guilt free woman's guide to a good life and former editor of india today <music> I've known you now for like I've known of your work and then you know on a on a like on yeah, a professional level Hanji for, for a while now. and yeah. it's been 8 years yeah. and um I was recently talking to a friend who worked at CNN uh, 18 and uh, so I said oh you know I'm going to meet Kaveri and uh, and she was like oh my god I love Kaveri you know she's one of those women that I've really looked up to while working uh-huh. and everything <laughs> and then I said man can you believe she has kids that she has three sons two 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 sorry sorry two sons uh, the third is the husband <laughs> and two dogs and, and two, two dogs, dogs. Ooh, i have five sense. men yeah <laughs> that is a lot that is so yeah. that is a lot raising all that yeah manhood <laughs> while crazy. while simultaneously having this ridiculous career and i said oh man can you believe it she has two kids and she goes what I mean how did you how did you sort of manage this while the kids were younger when I entered the workforce yeah. it was 1987 you can't even imagine I know if you were guys were born uh, we was okay <laughs> it must have been I was 2 years old ah uh, well done <laughs> Uh, I began work and you know usually I'd be the only woman on the desk and you know uh, they tell me to uh, edit copy and we used to edit copy by hand yeah. those days and you know uh, 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 they change my headlines and I'd get very uh, upset and all that and you know they would say oh you know because she's a girl and of course those days I would be called a girl was young enough <laughs> um but um, there were really so few of us I had senior colleagues you know and really senior colleagues people who'd seen the, seen the emerging and who had really battled it out and who'd really again struggled to be where they were but we never somehow created that old girls network you know mm. so whether it's uh, it was a failing on my part or a failing on their part but i feel that is so important you know try to make conditions a little mm. easier for yeah. them for the women that come after you and yeah. yeah and i think we forget both the women that come before us and after and, us. and after one of the reasons i wrote the book really you know uh, my generation of women um, uh, uh, which is sort of uh, you know in, in the middle you know mm-hmm. we saw 
uh, a non-liberalized, socialist, secular, democratic India. And we've seen this new monster state, whatever it's become, which is both capitalistic and uh, big brother-like and a surveillance state. So we have technology, but we yet don't know, know what, what to, to do, do with, with it. it, you know. So we've seen both mm. those contrasts. And uh, I think we were uh, fortunate because our parents were so uh, fixated on us doing something, you know. They just wanted mm. us to be independent and our mothers especially. Our mothers were very clear that they didn't want us to be like them. They wanted us to go out there and make a living and do something. My mother wouldn't even allow me to get into the kitchen, you know. And she was so clear. She said, no, I've done enough cooking for the both of us. You are not going to cook yeah. uh, or, or even learn cooking. She said, whenever somebody asks, you say, I never learned. My mother never taught me, <laughs> which, is so, which was so liberating, yeah. you know. But I felt that um, my generation didn't necessarily tell the generation that came after me, especially at work. I, I got a lot of uh, women coming up to me and said, you know, saying you made it look so easy. And, uh, you know, maybe I should have shared a lot more. Yeah. Mm, and yeah. this was my way of, in a way, making up for it and telling them it is hard, but you've got to do it because there's no other way. We cannot go back to what our mothers were. They, they were so unhappy, you know. Yeah. They were so bright. They were so educated, but they were so unhappy and they never let us feel it. But we can't go back to that. You know, we have to make good with what we have, mm. the education we have, however you do it, you know, whether you... Uh, you know, you work from home or you, you know, work from uh, office or you start something of your own, you have to have to do it. Mm. That's the only criteria I think that we all need to maintain. As I said, don't ever stop working. Find some way of doing it. Find some way of, and I think, you know, the world increasingly is actually becoming, uh, in a way, enabling women because it's, it's the gig economy, you know, people are uh, not employing people full-time, they're working part-time, uh, people are freelancing. It actually helps us because we know how to manage our time much better. We don't have to swipe in and swipe out. I yeah. think, you know, during the industrial period, work was this very black and white Absolutely. thing. You were either at work or you were not at work. Like it was this Or you were at life. Or you were at life, Yeah. right? And so I think in this era... You know, there's a huge amount of flexibility in terms of how jobs. Of course, can technology has really helped us in that sense. Yeah. Right? And but we have to we have to make technology our friend, you know, mm. and we have to make sure that we are able to use it for the right things. Yeah. Also, remember the industrial revolution was the period of great migration. You know, there was great change taking place. Yeah. Cities were coming up. It's pretty much what's happening in India now. You know, there's huge cities are coming up. People are sort of uh, get, you know getting lost in that. Uh, a sea of you know anonymity you know here is where I think uh, women with their very distinctive voices and this ability to um, uh, manage things I think that is where we are going to hopefully and I think I see I see a lot of hope in young women for sure and not so much in young men uh, and I feel that <laughs> you know I, feel, I, I, I want to interrupt you yeah. with that you are bringing up two young men yes uh, what what's it been like what's 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 and it? how did you manage the don't ever stop working? Maybe. Yeah, I just managed that because I, you know, told myself whatever happens, I'm not going to stop. I'm. Not, there were two things that I was very clear about. I didn't want to make my mom my man, my nanny, or my children's nanny because I felt that she'd done enough. 
uh, nor my mother-in-law. I felt that, you know, they'd done their work. They'd raised their children pretty well, <laughs> as, hmm? as you can see. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, uh, so uh, I used daycare, you know, and I used, um, uh, I had a, I trained my husband. <laughs> and this whole idea of this primary caregiver and the secondary caregiver, which um, uh, uh, people to have talked about. And I think that's very important as well to understand the nature of our families is changing and to understand that sometimes men need to take a back seat because the woman is doing better. Sometimes a woman needs to take, not to stop working, but maybe to take a back seat because the man is doing something that's uh, more important or he's actually better with the boys at some point and you're maybe not so good. So you have to keep making those changes and I think you have to be flexible. So daycare, good daycare <laughs> and a husband who you've raised well, who understands that you that you cannot always be the primary caregiver and who explains it to uh, the children as well and you know children are pretty smart. They figure out what's good for them pretty quickly. Also I think you know, this whole mythology around children, I know they're important and the love of your life and of course you adore <laughs> them, but they are not the only thing in your life, you know. I I absolutely want to escape my children all the time <laughs> and I'm happy to talk about it. Of course, people look at me aghast and say, my God, my God. No, but why? Why? I, I don't always want to be their slave. I don't always want to be at their beck and call. You know, when I travel on business uh, for work, even if I go to, you know, the worst city or the worst town in the world, I am so happy. <laughs> and of course, I, you know, I put on a big face and I say, oh my God, I have to travel and I'm so sorry. But I'm so happy inside, you yeah. know. It's a little bit of escape and, you know, let's enjoy the moments that we have, you know. Solitude is not overrated. You know, you have this fantastic uh, bit to say the prospect is exciting. For it is when the baby sleeps that I liaise as if it were a lover with my former life. Uh. These liaisons, though always thrilling, are often frantic. I dash about the house, unable to decide what to do, to read, to work, to telephone my friends. We've been talking about the nature of motherhood, the exalted status yeah. of the mother figure yeah. in Indian society, yeah. which I mean also leaves it open to abuse for the very reason that it is so incredibly celebrated. But that's what I like about this new kind of uh, revision of uh, history in a way and our epics. Some of it is uh, troubling because of the renaming of streets, etc. But also some of it is interesting. The reimagining of Sita and the reimagining of Draupadi, things that Chitra Banerjee Divakurni has done and Samita Arni, you know, they've looked at the way the mother has been projected through our epics and you know the received wisdom we have and when then we realize oh my god Sita was possibly the first single mother in yeah. our history you yeah. know I mean she had to go away to uh, the forest and raise her uh, boys alone she did it pretty well yeah and yeah. then of course Ram comes and takes them over again Correct. because that's what, that's uh, what men do she um, must have suffered from time poverty <laughs> yeah. for sure and then you have Draupadi who has these you know famous five husbands etc etc but you know she is also a mother and she sends her children uh, and she sends her husband off to battle so uh, we've got these sort of very powerful figures through history which we have been told you know you have to be like that nobody tells you to be like Draupadi but everyone tells you to be like Sita of course because nobody wants you to have five husbands because that would be anarchy that means you're having five people that means you're having too much fun but um, uh, it's interesting the way uh, we've been conditioned and I think that's something that you know and then needs so, to be I mean this sort of very deification does that not sort of present a huge sort of um, 
uh, hindrance to women just in regular life trying to be mothers while also trying to have careers. Yeah. Just human beings. Uh, like if, if the status is godlike and exalted, what does that mean for the regular person trying to be a mother? Absolutely. And it's so interesting, you know, I wrote about my mom in uh, this chapter and, um, you know, a lot of people told me that was the most interesting thing and all that. My mother read it. And of course, first she said, oh, my God, what have you done? And she cried. And then she said, <laughs> you know, and it's such a typical mom thing. And she said, you've not written about your father so much. You've only written about me. And I thought, my God, you know, only a mother can yeah. say that. And of course, my father was a very progressive man. And, you know, she told me, you've forgotten how much he did for you. And you've forgotten, you know, how he always sort of uh, wanted you to do well in your life, career and all that. I said, yeah, but you know, that's another book. This is about you. This yeah. is about mothers. So... Yeah. But that's such a typical mom thing that even then she'll say, oh, why did you put me first? You know, one of the things uh, Twinkle Kanna actually has uh, said in the book where she says that when you're um, uh, in an aircraft and it's going down, they always tell you, you know, put your oxygen mask on first and then you take care of the other person. But I think that's very important. We never do that. Yeah. We never put on our oxygen mask first. We're always looking at our children, our husbands, you know, families and, you know, let's take care of them first. But I think that's, um, again, you know, there's, there's this, um, sorry to again take <laughs> off on popular culture, but uh, as you can please see, I'm obsessed with it. There's this new show called The Morning Show, which talks about the Matt Lauer, uh, Lauer case and yeah. it has Jennifer Aniston and Reese Witherspoon as this also another old, yes, uh, older, older uh, morning show anchor and the younger mm. morning show anchor. And there's this wonderful speech where uh, Jennifer Aniston is telling her child, who is this whiny, entitled child who's so upset that her mother is divorcing her father and her father uh, stood stood by the mother through all her, you know, uh, 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 rising career and all that. And she finally tells her, I have given you a great life uh, and, you know, uh, whatever you wanted and as much time as I could but I also wanted to be my own person and she's come with a pizza because she wants to make good with the uh, with the daughter because they're finally apparently going to announce a divorce and she actually takes the pizza with her and she says you know what give me back that pizza <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I earned that yeah. pizza you didn't and yeah. she takes off the <laughs> takes the pizza back <laughs> and <laughs> dumps it in the college dustbin and walks off but I thought that's so lovely because it really in a way has both the humor and the angst and the rage that women feel but have not been able mm. to articulate to tell your children that uh, why should I feel guilty for something for wanting to make something of myself I'm adopted uh, and uh, you know so my my birth mom passed away and then I was adopted by my Masi and uh, I've been living with her since I was, uh, like, I mean, my whole life. And, and we were having this fight, this very sort of like, and I've started, I've started now, uh, like, fighting with her as an adult. Earlier, I would fight with her as her daughter. Mm. Now, it's sort of like, like, we log, like, really log heads. And she, in, she suddenly, she was like, you know, Aditi, this is ridiculous. You know, I can't believe we're having this fight for the millionth time. You know, at some point, I thought that you would start taking care of this XYZ issue. But you know what? Here I am 34 years later and it's the same problem. I really thought I would have more freedom from this. And I, I was so taken aback because suddenly I was her child again. And I was yeah. like, how could you say that? What do you mean by freedom from me? I mean, I'm just a delightful child. Yeah. Not... But as I walked away from it, I realized how badly she needed to say yeah. that to me. Yeah. That moment I suddenly, like my, after being sort of cut down by her being like, I thought I would have freedom from this nonsense yeah. and I don't. 
I suddenly realized, you know, she is a human being. Yeah. And that I I cannot keep demanding motherhood out of her and the saintly motherhood yeah, that we keep demanding out of our parents. Yeah. I mean, we we cannot be Niraparo. Even no. she even she had to get rid of Vijay. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, even she couldn't live with him. <laughs> so I mean, even a saint and of course we all know what how Mother India ended. <laughs> Turned out, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I have a very an uh, quote related to this from your book that I would like to mm. read. Please. It's well, it's you you're you're quoting Deborah Levy. Yeah. Like everything that involves our love, our children make us happy beyond measure and unhappy too. But never as miserable as the 21st century patriarchy made us feel. It requires us to be passive but ambitious, yeah. maternal but erotically yeah. energetic, self-sacrificing but fulfilled. Yeah. That's it. And I think uh, uh, there I think I devoted a chapter to anger and I think that for me is very important, you know. I think it's good to feel angry about these things. It's good to feel enraged. And I think something positive comes out of that. And I think if you my point is that anger and humor both leave lines, so you might as well laugh and get angry at the same time and not to be afraid of your lines. <laughs> but really, that's why when you see outbursts like that in popular culture or uh, around you as you said and you start seeing your mothers as human beings you start seeing your uh, you know your uh, older sisters or caregivers or whatever as people too then you realize my god and i don't think we do that enough we've not seen our mothers as people you have mentioned and i, I think uh, this is a this is a conversation that every like every woman of our privilege level and class should be having is the the way we are helped by other women yeah. um you know you talk about having a nanny you talk about having uh, help domestic help at home it would even be possible without no way i mean um there is a woman who comes and helps us now thank god we've gone got over that stage where i had to have 24 hour day and night care because uh, sometimes you know your work was like that that you know you'd end up coming home at 3 o'clock and she is my go-to guide. I mean, she's the only other woman in the house apart from me. I cannot imagine a life which would have been without them. And there's that comic who says that we earn enough just so that we can pay the nanny who can look after the kids. Yeah, Ali Wong. Ali yeah. Wong says. So um, <laughs> that's a funny way of putting it, but it is true. Yeah. Uh, in India, we have a very yeah. dominant culture of that, uh, of our lives being defined by these undefined relationships yeah. uh because even i had a nanny who brought me up who um i mean and i you know when people ask me who who my mothers are because i lost my real mother when i was younger i have like a list of women that yeah. i would like to be like she was my mom she was my second mom she was my third mom yeah. and um and these these relationships are very undefined but having said that are incredibly enabling yeah it's it sort of dazzles me every time to think about how you know we talk about motherhood from our perspective and how it our perspective is in our class perspective where we are like oh i was enabled by her and then who enabled her to bring up her kids mm. uh you know what was her life like um how it enables us to escape things like time poverty which are very very <laughs> indian problems you mm. know where um i mean there was a recent uh, book that uh, invisible women that said that in india Indian women on an average work 6 hours of unpaid labor really? and that is the sort of the highest uh, differential in any country in the right. world and in to, to sort of to sort of help us and to sort of enable us we have had these relationships with our domestic help and can you sort of elucidate that think um, it's something that is is a very complex relationship because they 
understand more than you what you're going through. They become your shoulder to cry on. They become your first port of call in any trouble. Uh, I mean, some of the women who uh, I would say I have been privileged to employ have been, um, you know, have, have really helped me in so many ways I cannot even imagine it. I have had to school myself over the years to let go of that guilt because there is that guilt. There is that guilt that, you know, your child is not with you and your child is with someone else. And what do you do? You have to, do, you know, there are some sacrifices you have to make. And uh, I had to really work on myself. And I want to want people to understand that it's not easy to have no regrets. Yeah. <laughs> it can be very, very <laughs> tough. And there's so many things that you feel guilty about. But, you know, what you're going to do with this guilt? You know, it's such a burden. What you, How long are you going to carry it? And you really have to let go. And you really have to understand that these are some choices that you had to make. And um, whatever you are now is the result of that. Whatever your children are is the result of that. And, uh, and then have faith. <laughs> you know, and, and actually, which brings me to my next thing, which is, Talking about female relationships, um, and you had a great take on Viridi wedding, uh, yeah. uh, which I thought, you know, I mean, primarily it sort of suffered a bit because it was sort of the only uh, movie that we had on female friendships. But you had a really interesting take on it, and uh, Viridi wedding uh, for the listeners at home was a Bollywood film, one of uh, what was Bollywood's first buddy female buddy yeah. uh, comedy. Um, and uh, and Kaveri had a very very interesting take on it. Uh, Kaveri, can you tell us more about if what you, you thought? If you can remind me, because you know, <laughs> I have written this book <laughs> so many months ago now, and people tell months? me, you know, you wrote this, and I say, yeah, uh, okay, was that say so. <laughs> was that me? Jab ne kaha tha, if if my mother's generation was keen to see their daughters in the workforce and work systemically to systematically towards that, our generation's responsibility should be to ensure that we change the terms of engagement, mm. and that when we talk about work Sounds life, quite nice. Gee, it's this is, <laughs> I mean, this is so, sort of so incredible yeah. and so I mean it's so moving that when we talk of work life balance for men as such as much as we talk about it for women, so that men understand that they cannot expect their wives to keep perfect homes, raise perfect babies, and have perfect bodies in absentia and on allowance. That they have to partner in parenting as well if they want happy marriages with happy, fulfilled women. Very nice. And, <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, it only is, a it sort of so signifies well that you've come from a mother um, that has made you who you are and then you're sort of passing this down on to the next, the, the generation after you. Taking off from there, I get very worried about things like, you know, some data that you can trust from this government. For instance, the the uh, percentage of women uh, in the workforce declining. That's really serious because, you know, we cannot be what we cannot see. And if you cannot see diversity in public spaces, in offices, in uh, wherever, uh, in government offices, in private offices, how will we be... Uh, confident enough to assert ourselves in those spaces and the more it always happens the more pressure there is on resources the more jobs that are lost the first people to lose their jobs will be women you know it is a fact of life and we have to prevent that that's why I say you know the gig economy is really something women need to get on top of right away but you need to do that because you need to find a way to continue to engage with the world in whatever way one part of the podcast we do is we're looking for one thing that listeners can do in their own lives in, um, to look at the issues of surrounding women and work. What is one thing that you think they can do? 
especially we're in a podcast we really need to listen to each other's stories and we need to tell our own stories we yeah, don't tell judgment. we don't tell without, our own stories yeah. also because yeah. we're always afraid what will people think what will people think what will what will happen kya ho jayega i mean they'll think less of you theek yeah. hai थोड़ी <laughs> it eases the burden ji jitna paryapt hai utna prapt hai nice line no but <laughs> it's a beautiful, beautiful line. line it's a beautiful line and thank you so much for taking the time to talk so to us much. women in labor is made by christina mcgilvery laura quinn aditi mittal manya sachdeva sonakshi chaudhry nandita gupta sonali thakkar ipti patnaik rose higgins Orva Jassy, Regina Hawkins, Kashish Sethi, and Priyanka Verma. This podcast is generously supported by a grant from the American Center New Delhi. The opinions, findings, and conclusions stated are those of women in labor and do not necessarily reflect those of the United States Department of State. For more information on the podcast, visit womeninlabor.com or search Women in Labor on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Thank you.